your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make you feel like your family. They make it feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Choso Podcast presented by TheSwathReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goto, a.k.a. J.J. Smooth. We are back. If you saw the video I put out on Twitter this morning, yeah, this this morning, kind of, kind of uh, explaining we're going to have a change here because of... Uh, the one I tease with the wrestler, we had some conflicts come up on both our ends. Trying to reschedule that for this weekend, so just just stand by on that. But was able to get you another episode. I did promise an, another episode, another football one on one here. That is what today's episode is. Um, but before we get into that, though, I want to thank you all for the support and the feedback on the spring preview. It looks like a lot of you. So, it, it looks like it was well, re, well, well received the uh, new format. So that's something that will probably continue on uh, into the weekly episodes. So I just want to go ahead and again, I appreciate all these, all the support on that. Also below, uh, I will attach my man James D. Jackson. Actually, the intro, the very fire intro that you listened to here at the beginning of the episode. He actually made that a very talented man. He is a uh, writer for the Oklahoman on the high school side of things. He has a podcast where he discussed NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. I am a recurring guest on there. Again, he's starting that back up now that the state championships have finished. Uh, If you are interested in any of that, you want to see me talk other sports, you just enjoy me talking in general. I will leave a link to that below as well if you wish to check that out. We were talking some some NBA talk as well. So if you do want to um, listen to that, it is there. Also want to give a shout out to former UCO men's basketball coach Tom Hankins. For those that may not know, he is the head coach of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, Indiana Pacers G League team. Had a five-game winning streak to qualify for the G League playoffs started yesterday. As a sixth seed, unfortunately, he lost to the Capital City Go-Go, the Washington Wizards G League affiliate. It was a very good game. Uh, he was down two, three of his best players. Just ran out of gas there in the fourth quarter, but I still don't really, uh, Coach Hankins there. 
on another successful season. Uh, so without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and bring on my guest now. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma defensive tackle Hunter Largent. Hunter, thank you for taking time this evening to come on and talk to me. Uh, could you start by telling the viewers and listeners out there a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a sophomore now, or sorry, junior now. It's puts up on me a lot. Uh, been here going about to finish my third year. Uh, I'm from the old Oklahoma, which is like 45 minutes south of uh, Edmonds. I'm not that far from home. Um, yeah, I've been here, but this is my third spring. So I'm about to finish up my third year. It's crazy because I feel like I just got here. It's weird. Now I feel like an old head. <laughs> now, now for, for those of us that maybe aren't too familiar with, with, with Noble, kind of what, what, does, what does football mean to the – to the city of Noble? Pretty much everything. There's not much more going on around there. I mean, we're 5A. Like, people think we're smaller than we are. Like, we don't have – we're getting that much respect. But we're, we're a decent-sized school. Um, but still, I mean, it's the same, like, small small hometown kind of crowd. Great atmosphere to play in. I mean, I loved it. I was blessed with, like, really good coaches coming up. The whole town supported the football team. We've always, we've always been a good atmosphere to play on playing so it was like a yeah, I couldn't pick a better hometown to come from than Noble really uh and then your your senior season you you managed to earn uh all state honors and that's something that not everybody has the, the opportunity to do so so being an all state guy what what did that and what does that still mean to you it means a lot I mean it's always something I can always look back at and just know that that's something that I achieved because like you said, not everyone can achieve that. Uh, it's just – it still means a lot to me. Um, I, I still see my All-State jacket in my closet when I get in my closet like that. So it still definitely means something to me because it's something that you – I feel like a lot of people strive for in high school as far as like being like a high school goal for someone to make All-State and have the ability to play in the game. And I even lucked out when I played in the All-State game. There was, um, there was uh, 13 UCO commits playing in the All-State game that year. And out of the 13, 12 of us were on the west side, which is the side I, I, I played for. So it was even more, I mean, progressive for me as far as I got to, I got to play with my future teammates as, at the collegiate level. So, I mean, it meant a lot to me. And, and, and how, how much did that kind of help really kind of being able to, to form those bonds, those friendships with guys that you will be playing with at the next uh, it helped a lot. I mean, it was fun because, you know, when you do the All-State uh, as far as, like, the practices go, you really have a lot of time to, like, cut it up and talk and as far as to create those bonds. So when we – pretty much so when we got here in the summer for UCL, we kind of hit the ground running. I mean, it was never – there was not that that week or two process where everyone was kind of filling each other out and, like, didn't really know each other. We hit the ground running and went straight into building, having that bond, and especially going through like that transition from high school to college as far as conditioning-wise in the summer. You know, you need your teammates to lean on, and when you need the extra motivation and help and getting there every day and showing up on time, you have that extra bond, extra person to lean on as far as helping you go. So it really helped us out that we were that we were all that talented to play on the All-State. So it gave us that extra, extra leverage, I guess, to play. Now, you mentioned talented. Now, I, I have to say, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching the 2020 signing day class, I was watching the film. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you, honey. I had to watch the tape several times because I had a hard time 
believing what I was seeing. There was one play, and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm about to talk, talk about here. You tackled the center into the running back. Okay, walk me through that because that's how are you how are you able to do that? I don't know. I just lucked out. I've always had the I guess I've always had the strength side of mine because I'm not like the tallest guy. I'm only like six one on my best day. And so I've always had to lean on my strength. So I guess I guess I just you know, when you go on the field, you know, stuff goes, you're thinking stuff like that I'm on the go. And I guess when in doubt, just start tackling people pretty much. And so it just kind of happens. That when you see the ball carrier and people get in your way, you just, you know, it just happens. So, so sometimes it just relies on your strength. Yeah. And, and, and another thing, too, you were so quick off the ball. So, like, where where does that timing come from being able to – fire like as soon as that ball is snapped you're firing off the line like was that something you just developed over time or were you just always naturally good at firing off the ball as soon as it was snapped i think really the what i have to credit it to is really wrestling because going into like my junior high years like obviously the goal was always to play football like no matter what but i was always told if you're if you wrestle it always it don't make you a better football player and i was always game to do anything that was going to help me perfect my craft. And so as far as like a twitchiness and the movement and like, it's like playing with leverage and getting off the ball real fast, all that's really credited to uh, wrestling. Yes. A lot of it comes from drill work and football and just doing live reps. So I guess it was always just a combination of my drill work, how I worked out and my wrestling ability. So, I mean, I was always kind of gifted as far as the wrestling aspect went, as far as like being, being this big, but still having that twi- twitchiness to me. And I guess it always, I always bo- play both fields, especially wrestling, playing as a heavyweight or wrestling as a heavyweight. A lot of people don't expect a fast heavyweight. So I always played to my advantage and it always carried over to football on the football field. Now, now you mentioned wrestling. I, I talked to uh, your former teammate, Tremon Craig, and then Peyton Scott as well, because they were wrestlers. And they mentioned about how different the training is from 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 football to yeah. wrestling, so like, how are you kind of able to go back like b- like between the two because it's two completely different skills mm-hmm. that that's kind of utilized. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've really it helped me in high school because in high school, you know, you have eight hours, and obviously my eighth hour today was football, but my first hour was uh, wrestling. So I would have so even during season my senior year. I'd be playing the game the next – I'd be playing the game on a Friday. But Thursday morning, I'm running three miles with wrestling in the morning. And so – and then doing drills and having wrestling practice. And so, all like, he would try to take it easy. What kind of hurt is because my wrestling coach wasn't any type of football coach. So, he didn't really, I guess, care. Like, he was just like, no, you're running your three miles. with Because we would run a circuit around the football field. So we would do um, the 12 lap or how many laps it was. And every every quarter of the lap, there was another workout to do. So whether you're doing like push-ups or doing curls with the plate or you're doing around the head, around the world. And so – and then those are on some days and some days we're in the wrestling room wrestling. So it always kind of helped me. My first half of the day was wrestling. My second half was football. So I kind of had it all year long, like year, year round. So it kind of helped me play the both sports. 
and and how are you able to kind of balance that? Because I mean, that sounds like a lot going from wrestling is what is one thing you go to football and it's a different thing and you're trying to excel at both almost at the same time. So how kind of were you able to, to, to manage that? Uh, really just good coaches because they would help me. Like obviously my coaches knew what I was doing. Like they knew like what my schedule was and they always talked to my wrestling coach. And so like my wrestling coach would take it easy some days when I was like, Hey dude, I'm playing a game tomorrow. Like I got to take it easy today. And then, or some days if I just felt like I needed to take a step back from wrestling during football season, like I'm like, hey, like I, I'm just gonna work out. Like I'm not, like I'm not really feeling like as far as my physical body is not really feeling that good. I need to rest up, or you know. And after a certain time, like as long as you have like the discipline to do it every day, your body gets accustomed to that much work. And as long as you're, I mean. That's really why I started focusing on like my diet and like how I'm working out, how what I'm putting in my body, your sleep, all that stuff comes into accountability as far as how you perform perform on a day to day out basis. So it helped with good coaching and, and discipline throughout the school year. And 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 when you when you look back on your on your on your time at Noble as both a football player and a wrestler, what what kind of sticks out to you the most? Uh, just, I mean, the great times I had. I mean, we had a really good four-year span. Like my four years is really good. Like one of the best four-year spans Noble High School has had as far as football-wise. Freshman year, we went to the playoffs for the first time in like 10, 15 years. My uh, sophomore year, we went to the semifinals, which is the farthest Noble has ever been football-wise. Junior year, we missed the playoffs. And my senior year, we went to the second round. Um, and we were distant champs. So, like, it – what sticks out to me is really just what we were able to do in my four-year span. I'm not saying that was just me because it was everyone. I mean, I, I I had an aspect I brought to the table and all my other players and guys I grew up with as far as playing ball. It was just a great time and like a great period of time. I, it was just a fun time. Like I had a blast. I made a lot of good memories, a lot of good people. And so that's what really sticks out to me as far as the people and the memories we made. So now after your, your All-State senior, senior season, uh, what, what was that recruiting process like for you? And, and how did you decide that UCO is where you wanted to play your college football? So um, UCO offered me kind of early. Uh, they also, like, they, they recruited me. Per, they, were, they were the first colleges to show interest. Them and uh, Tulsa. So them and Tulsa showed a lot of early interest. Actually, Abilene Christian, which – Coach Dora was from when Coach Dora was at Abilene Christian, they showed interest. So, but UCO was there from day one. And then um, they actually didn't offer me. You can ask uh, Coach Sanders or any other coach. They actually didn't offer me until I went to a padded camp here and I did really well. And I, I ended up costing a couple of O linemen their scholarship, which is, I mean, kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, and then I got the call the next day from uh, Russ Pickett at the time was a defense coordinator, and he said, you're offered, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I always had a draw to UCO. I really liked the facilities up here, the people that are up here, and, like, how I felt as far as uh, it not being that far from home because I am a mama's boy. Like, I like being, like, around home. Uh, so, 45 minutes an hour away, which is pretty close, and it just felt great. I mean, I didn't have any negative, negative experiences here when I was getting recruited from. 
Now, it's funny that you you mentioned the camp because I was about to bring that up when I talked to Coach Sanders last year. He mentioned the camp. He mentioned yeah. the fact that you were dominating to the point where they had to question whether or not you were that good or the linemen they had were that bad. Yeah. And I have to ask, when you went in that camp, did you go in there with something to prove? Like, did you go in there with saying, okay, they, they like me, but not enough to offer me. So let me go in there and show them why they should offer me. Yeah, I always kind of had that chip on my shoulder. Because at that time, I had no offers. No school offered me. Um, so at that point, I was like, dude, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I not getting attention enough to get offers? Everyone else is getting offers, and I'm just here. <laughs> so I was, at that point, I was like, well, I'm just going to play really hard. And I, cause I know what I can do. There's not, there's not a doubt in my mind. Like, I play I'm, I'm a pretty confident guy as far as the way I play. It's just how I play football. And I went in that with the same mentality. I went to a lot of camps. Uh, I just like, I'm going to do the best I can do and show these guys why I should be here and why they want me on their team. So at that point, something like I always walk around with something to prove, but like at that point I was just at a time where I was like, this is getting a bit ridiculous. Like I know where's my, off? like, well, I've been putting in the work. I've been putting in the work. What I, I need something to show for. It. But yeah. Uh, and and so your freshman season ends up being 2020. Now what I got because you you're so you're going off to college, moving out first time, and you're trying to navigate a pandemic. How were you what if I guess first, what oh. don't now 2020 was your your, your, your freshman season, obviously, we know that was when the, the, the COVID pandemic was going on. So first, what was it kind of like, not from just a football standpoint, but from being a freshman student in 2020? It was crazy because, you know, everyone talks about, like, college and the college experience and, like, just being around new people and new experiences. And then we get to college and it's like, stay in your dorm room, go to class go to football and then go back and study and do your homework. It was not like, like there was no, it was weird because there's everything was closed down. So it was just a weird experience as far as like everything you hear, what college is like, and you get to college for a whole year and it's nothing compared to what you are. And then it builds in like that. Like when you're doing something repetitive every, every day, it gets that monotonous, like mutiny where it's like, Oh my gosh, like dude, every day I'm doing this, this, and this, and I'm coming back. Like, I'm like, you need that constant, like you get in that grind mode. And some, I mean, obviously some people didn't make it through that year long, just grind because we weren't, there was nothing to really like, we're not going to a season. We're not going, we're not doing a season. You're just coming here. We're working out. You're doing meetings, you're practicing, and then you're running and then you're going home. Like there's not, like Coach Dor always says that Saturdays are supposed to be like they're precious. Like that's something like you earn. And we were doing all the work just to not do like not to have that, which really kind of worked out. I mean, do I wish that we could have played a season? Yeah. But it developed the guys that stuck it through. It developed that that like mindset you get into as far as like pushing yourself through what you have to do to earn. Like it's just how bad do you want to play the game? There's not like, sorry, my roommate. <laughs> it's like, how bad do you want to play the game? Like, how bad do you want to play? Are you are do you want to play enough to stick through this year of work straight? There's nothing, just work to play the game next year. And so the, it gave us that mindset of like developing that in our heads. 
So it was kind of a football aspect. It was a grind. It helped with schoolwork because you're not doing anything. You're doing football and you're doing homework and you're sitting in your room. So there's not, there's that aspect. So it helped, helped with that. But that's really like it was a weird transition, uh, I'd say. And and you, you you kind of mentioned some, I guess, some of the benefit of the unfortunate circumstance. You you were able to essentially have a a redshirt season without, I guess, technically using a redshirt. You were able to train your – so how big of an impact, looking back now, like how big of an impact has that had on you kind of having that year where all you did was practice, workout, practice, workout? How has that kind of helped you? Um, from a from a, like a physical standpoint, uh, now a bunch. Uh, technique wise, I'm grateful for. That. I understand why you get a red shirt year because it technique wise. Because it's I had really good coaches in high school, and I have a good D line coach in college. But there's a transition. Like college is everything is detailed as a D line. I'm sure, and I'm sure same thing for every position, but. Like in high school, they really just told me that he showed me a couple moves and would work more in depth with me because like he knew I had the drive to do it. Um, but it was more or less just like see ball, get ball. Like you're talented, use your talent and out and out talent someone. Well, college, they break down every step. Like it's a, a pass play. You're, you're supposed to step this way, this way, and that way, and that line, and that order. And so like it was a whole – transition-wise as far as, like, technique-wise, and it gave me that year to develop it so then I could put it together on the field. Um, Physical-wise, I actually, my second semester, I gained so much weight because I don't know what I was doing, but that's why my thing says, like, 350. I don't weigh 350. I weigh a solid 315, and I'm going down. Like, I don't weigh – that year I did – I got really big for some reason. I don't know what I was doing, but – I don't know. So that second semester, that first semester, I gained this weight. I was strong. I did gain some strength. That's why I squatted like 640, and I was putting on a bunch of numbers, which I can still do. I just – it took me a while to get that strength while not having that much mass on me. Um, that second semester, I lost all that weight because, like, this is ridiculous. And Coach Sanders was not too happy with me being that heavy. So I couldn't move. I couldn't move as good as I can now. And I'm not that fast now, but back then I really wasn't that fast. So it just – it gave me a year to get adjusted to college as far as work-wise and as far as football-wise. And so it was – I mean, it was a good year. Now now you mentioned that, and I have to ask, because when I talked to Dante McGee, they had him listed on the roster acting 265. Now, he made it a point to say he was not 265. Now – Last year they had you listed at three forty-five. Now would that be an accurate? No. Okay. I, no. I, I, no I, okay. <laughs> I think the heaviest I was during season was like three thirty, and that was like a couple games in, and I weighed that. I was like, okay, I need to focus more on my diet wise and get myself back down. So I usually played the season from like three fifteen to three twenty-five. 320. If I saw myself get that heavy, I would in my head, okay, I got I gotta get a little bit lower down. And you could see it in my production. It's crazy. Like the beginning of the season, I of course I would fall camp, I lose the weight. And so I would begin the season at like 305, 310, 
which what I need to be playing at. And you'd see me kind of go up to like 315, 320, and you'd see my production take a hit. It was like, and Sanders would delightfully point it out to me every week. And so, because he'd be like, oh, Hunter don't have this many tackles. He must be not weighing that good. I was like, God, okay. Alright, <laughs> dude. And that's the constantly. I mean, but luckily I got him. I got and I Coach K and his strength staff work, they're wonderful with that and keep me in check as far as like keep me um keep me dedicated as far as what I'm doing and hold me up to the standard of being what I need to weigh. Because there's not that's something weight wise and um doing the little things right, that's just straight discipline which I'm not saying the most disciplined person out there because I'm not. But um, that's the stuff, eating right, doing the right thing. That's just something that if you want to play college football, I believe you just got to be able to do that because it's not hard. I mean, yes, there's days where I wake up and I'm like, man, I really don't. Like, I'm not I'm not feeling treatment today. I'm not feeling going to walk on the treadmill for an hour. I'm not feeling like I'm – there's days where I have that. But it's the point of, like, knowing that if I don't do that, I can't perform with what I'm – could possibly be, and that's just taken away from my teammates and my coaches. So it's just the way you got to look at it, I guess. I don't know what you that starting question was. I know I just rambled, but I get started. <laughs> I do that a lot. God, doing me. I'll start on one thing, I'll just start rambling off to something completely different. So I don't know. I forgot what the original question was. I'm not lie. No, no, yeah, no. You, you, you answered the question because it, it was the hedge list at at three forty five. Oh, last year. yeah. See, I, something, yeah. <laughs> I, it should have been a no question. Like, no, I didn't wait that much. <laughs> but here I go on like twenty minutes still about something. Now, okay, so so now you you mentioned you you kind of fluctuate there in in weight. So, kind of how do you how do you go about kind of managing that? To, to get it to your optimal playing weight? Uh, really just my – what I eat, how many times I eat a day. So, um, like I said, thank God for Sanders and Coach K and his strength staff because they helped me out so much. Um, I, I did it wrong. Like in high school, my dieting was not right because I, I was under the impression the less you eat, like completely, the more weight you're going to lose, which is not necessarily the case. I mean, I eat – when I lose the most weight is when I'm eating like five times a day in really small quantities. Like I wake up, I eat um, around like 7 a.m., eat at 7, eat something small at 9, like a tuna packet, eat like chicken and rice. And usually I do like a – I do chicken and rice and green beans or chicken and rice and asparagus, um, small quantity. Eat again at 2 o'clock, which is like a tuna packet. And then um, again, around like five to six. And uh, that for me helps me maintain with working out and running and all that stuff. Helps me the best lose weight and maintain weight. Yeah. And now going back, so you, you have 2020, pretty much you get the redshirt year, you, you work hard, you're getting strength, getting in condition. You have the spring scrimmage against Southern Nazarene. What was that? What was that experience like? First, just getting back out on the field, hitting somebody other than yourselves, and and kind of getting that first taste of of college football, so to speak. Uh, it was good. We were hungry, man. We were we waited a long time for that one scrimmage, and <laughs> it was great. It, like I said, since the Allstate game in the summer after my senior year, that was the first time. Like like you said, we've hit. I've hit someone other than my teammate and um, it was good. 
And it was good for me to show um, like my coaches what I can do and stuff like that. Like it was a good experience. It was really fun. Had fun with the guys. Southern Nazarene were good. Like people, to, uh, good team to actually scrimmage against. You know, they're real close by stuff like that. Uh, it was a good experience. It was it was fun. And, and and then during your freshman season, uh, I mean, you you played in every every game. You had twenty nine tackles. You had you had five for loss. Um, uh, there were you had a few games. You had five tackles. A few games you had three tackles. I, I think you know most of the. I always say stats don't necessarily tell the stats when it comes to a defensive tackle because you affect the game in so much so much more ways than just tackles and just TFLs and mm-hmm. I. I always try to make it a point to, to to point that out, but you know that's that's really good numbers. Though honestly, I mean, for because you got because you were rotating. I mean, it, there was a deep rotation there. The conference is one of the best in the in in the country. So, kind of when you look back on your freshman season, did it did it kind of meet your uh, expectations? Uh, yeah, uh, I. I it was weird how my my goals went up and up and up because when I went into that season after that year of uh after that year of COVID I just in my mind like I didn't know like I, of course I knew where I stacked up and I knew in my mind what I thought I could do and where I everyone has a thought of where they should go in depth everyone and my initial goal was I just want to make the travel squad I just want to travel because at that time I'm battling with JoJo uh, Josie uh, JoJo Roke. And I don't know if I'm saying his last name wrong. He's going to get mad at me for saying it wrong. Um, him, Stacy Salt, uh, Vodka. Like, yeah, I'm having all these guys. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just going. I'm trying to travel. I just want to travel, be with the team, and help. And then we get into the season, and uh, it kind of played in my favor a little bit because Stacy moved from nose to tackle. And so that moved me up the depth chart. So that puts me as a two. And then I was battling, and of course I wanted the starting spot the whole entire year, and um, I didn't end up getting it until like later on in the season. But I was battling, dude. And JoJo was a phenomenal player, and he was hard. It was hard to outperform that guy week in week out. He was a vet, veteran, did everything right, and uh, battling with that guy all season. It was a it was a task. And then the whole entire time I'm battling him to get try to get a starting spot, I'm battling Vodka, who's right behind me and sometimes in front of me, because me and him would go back and forth nonstop. And so it was a uh I don't know, it was just a, a crazy time. And Sanders, that's why he brings in so many guys. Because that's what I mean, I can kind of credit that to all my competition I had to play with, you know, he always says competition builds a good player and pressure makes diamonds. So I just always had to, I always had to know I had to bring it every practice, every week and perform every game. If not, my spot's gone. And I still have that because now Zane is behind me at nose. So that's awesome. You know, I have to battle with him every week and then I have to come home and see him. So that's awesome too. Love that. Cause now I'm like, God, dude, and he, he did pretty good today. And Tom's like, and I got home to see him, his ugly mug. So that's awesome. But I mean, yeah. now, but, okay, yeah. now, now the, there were there were two there were two games that really stuck out to me. That the first one from that from that 2021 season was the Northwest Missouri game. Now I know it didn't go your way in the scoreboard, but I, that first half especially. 
Uh, they could doing nothing offensively, and it was mainly due to the effort of you guys up front. What was kind of working for you all in that game? Because that's a premier program, and, and I'm at times you were stonewalling them at the point of attack. So what was kind of working for you all against Northwest Missouri? Uh, we just – we had a great game plan that game. And uh, we had a great game plan. We stuck to it. In D-line, we played phenomenal. Uh, obviously, like I said, it didn't go our way. But um, we were playing really stout defense in um, the first half. And the first initial, like, they scored right before the first half – or right in the first half. And they kind of – that kind of obviously takes a little chip off the armor when you go into halftime because they score with like seven seconds left. They throw a Hail Mary. But um, what helped us out really was just we played as far as like a unit-wise, we played together. Everyone did their 111th. Everyone did their initial job. They weren't worried about making the play necessary. They were worried about doing their job and doing what their responsibility was on that play. And so I think that's what really helped us out play that sound defense in that half. Uh, and then against Northeastern State, you had you had the sack. Now I gotta say, I was watching that on the live stream. Uh the, you had, I believe it was it was a spin move. You spun off the lineman yeah. and you flattened the poor quarterback. Now you just walked me through that because it happened so quick. It's like the ball was snapped, and the next thing you know, I see number sixty-eight in the backfield making the sack. So kind of walk me through how you were able to get to get back there so fast. Uh, you know, I just as a nose guard, we don't get too many one on ones. Like, there's never, there's not that many opportunities where I have. It's just me and an O lineman, and if I beat that one alignment, I'm getting back. Most of the time, I'm doubled. So I tell, like you said, like sometimes the stats don't always show what we're doing as far as the D line. So it's a, it's the dirty work of doing it. Like I'm taking up multiple guys so my backer can make the play. That's what I'm doing, especially as a nose guard. Um, but through that play, I got my one-on-one, which I wanted, and so I can show my pass rush ability because I do have some, okay? People always say I don't, but I do. I promise you it's there. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm just always trying to find opportunity to show it. Um, I got my opportunity. Um, I set the move up right, and, of course, the spin move. Sanders hates it when I spin most time, but that one he couldn't really say much about, so that was a little cherry on top. Because I had to come on, I, I came on field, and he had to like tell me good job for spinning, and so that was always that's always a plus. So yeah, I mean, spin move in my book always works, and Sanders' book should never do it, but it's all right. <laughs> now, now, uh, now I, I know I know that season it didn't end how you wanted to. There was a lot of close losses in there, and then Coach Bobek obviously leaves. Coach Doral comes in. So what? Kind of what was that adjustment, that early adjustment period like uh, going from Coach Bobek to Coach Dorf? Uh, both phenomenal coaches. Um, I, I really like Bobek. Um, there's nothing bad to say about that man as far as my opinion. Um, and Doral, great coach. Uh, it, was a, it was weird because, you know, we had that, you know, two-week period, three-week period, however long it was, where we didn't have a coach. So – we really didn't have a coaching staff. Some of the staff members stayed around, Landry, Sanders. Um, a couple of them stayed around, so they were kind of like, we're thankful for them. Sorry. We we're thankful for them because they stuck around and helped us. Like, Because when stuff like that happens, it's really easy for a player to just fall off the kind of deep end, like not do his classwork because there's no – some of the players, they need that coach to sit there like, 
did you do this today? Do this, this, and this. Like, so it's really easy for people to fall off in that transition period. But I think we handled it great. Um, we're grateful I mean, as far as D line for having Sanders back. Uh, Cause I mean, he's a good coach. Um, but that transition wasn't, it was a I'm, good experience. It was a good experience. I mean, I, I, I definitely like Bobek, but uh, Doral and them coming in, they handled the transition really well. Um, Cause a lot of coaches will come in and they'll just cut half the team and bring half their old team. And they didn't do that. They came in, they gave all of us a shot to prove ourselves. And um, it was a because of the way they handled it, it was a good experience because not all coaching staff changes are good experience for players. But they handled that right way, especially the staff. Um, so, yeah, overall, it was a good experience for what, what happened. And, and, then for, and then from a schematic standpoint, I know the defense changed some under Coach Lechtenberg. What was that adjustment period like kind of going from, I think it was like more of a 4-2-5 to more of a 3-3-5? What was that adjustment period like? Oh, uh, really? It just means like we actually talking about today as a defense line. Uh, it just goes from you know when we have that that four man front, it puts the D lines more in position as far as like the scheme wise to make the play. Switching it to the base three man front um, works really well with our personnel. It's a good it's a good defense to run, uh, but it puts us in more where we have to rely. We have to do our job and put in the extra work and be just ball players and make those plays to make our TFLs, to make our stats look out so we stand out and we do our job. Like we got to handle, we got to do the dirty work, which is where our pretty linebackers can just run and make a play because we have two alignment on us. So they can just run in there and make the play. We got to do our dirty work. But luckily, Sanders has a talented D line where we can battle through the two guys or battle through whatever we have to do. And make the play. So the transition wise is more of it really didn't change for me. Like I'm still I really stay in a head up to shade sometimes a two eye. I really don't leave that zone unless I'm playing like a tackle, which doesn't really happen that much, even though I really want to. So shout out to Sanders for not moving me over. Um uh so it really didn't change that much for me. Uh I'm sure the other guys could probably add in a little bit more as far as how they feel about it. But I know everyone's happy with the defense and how Lech runs it. It's a great defense. Worked out for us. We did. Out, we have outstanding, outstanding performances with it. So, um, like I said, a good transition. But those transitions really, they only really click if the, how the coach handles it. Really, from then my like my opinion on it. Um, they Lech and them gave us the time to adjust to his new defense. Work with us as we were kind of learning and working like the way he wants to do it. Because every coach does a drill a different way. Um, everyone, like they all have their different opinions on how they do certain things. And so when you learn a certain way with one coach for a long time, it's good to have that new coach understand, give you the time, give you the coaching, give you the patience with, to have patience with you to learn his way and his aspects of the game. So it was a good, I mean, and and when I, I think what stuck out the most to me watching you this past season, I, I felt like at some point you sometimes you kind of were an unsung hero here. Because I know I think it was the Kearney game, Washburn game. At various points in the season, you were facing double and triple teams. And that's allowing you know, the Robert Fuentes, the Michael Slaters, the Noah West of the world 
to get mm-hmm. those favorable matchups. And I think that that sometimes goes over overlooked when you're just looking at pure numbers. But what really impressed me is even in those times of you getting double and triple team, you were still pushing the pocket. Like you're still pushing three really big individuals back, like alone. So kind of how are you able to, to handle those double, those triple teams and still affect the pass or still push the pocket? Uh, it's just a, you got to be a different breed to be a nose guard. 100%. You can tell any of my ends that want to uh, dis- disagree with me. You got to be a dog to be a nose guard. Zane knows it. Everyone, everyone who knows who's played nose guard that knows. Um, really, it's just a, I mean, it just boils down to, because you have to rely on your technique, your strength, and <clears throat> pretty much where you, you got to know your, your advantages. My advantages, I'm not the tallest guy. Like I said, 6'1", at my best day. Um, so I have better leverage on most of the taller alignment. And, like, I don't lack in the strength as far as strength-wise goes. And, I mean, I, as far as get-off-wise, I have a pretty good get-off. So using my advantages and what I have and just using what I can do to outperform or out-leverage or put myself in a position where, yes, I have two guys on me or whatever, but just knowing that I may not make the sack, but I give guys like Rob Fuentes, like you said, the one-on-one where he can go and make it, which to me, a sack's a sack. Uh, TFL's TFL. As long as our defense and our team is playing to the playing to the boundaries where they can and going to the limits where I know we can how we can play and where we play, I don't care. I'll take on double teams. I'll take on triple teams. It does not matter to me. Yes, Sanders has to hear me complain in the meetings where I'm like, if I wasn't getting triple team, I'd be making more TFLs. Yes, he has to hear that. But you got to look at the whole product of it. I mean, we play good defense. What we do, we do what we do, and are very high and we're very efficient with it. So, um, like I said, it's rambled off on your basic like your question. But, I mean, just pretty much play your advantage. Know what you're good at and stick to that. And while you're sticking to that, work on what you're not good at. Kind of a basic answer, I guess. But And and even given that you still were the 11th leading, leading, leading tackler last season, 28 tackles, uh, I just I, – I don't I – don't, there's, there's not like you mentioned. Being nose guard is it's very tough. Like it, it's it's not yeah. glamorous at all whatsoever. But it's really a key position. Like I can't tell you how many times I was watching you all play in the interior run defense. I just could not speak enough good things about them the majority of the time, and you were a big a big factor into that. And and so I just I was just not I, not maybe not everybody kind of understands your role, sees what you're doing. I just was in, I was a huge fan of the play. I made it a point every time I could to point it out. Like this man's doing great work on the interior. It's really helping Rob. It's helping Mike. So I, I just wanted you to note the show solo really does appreciate quality nose guard play. I just I just just I appreciate it. Just, yeah. Um so now looking you had a winning season last year. You made progress. The defense was not only one of the best in the conference, but in the country as a whole. You started spring this week. Obviously, you're losing. You lost three players to graduation, Robert, Michael, and Jordan LeVu. What? So kind of now, in, I mean, Mike and, and Robert were key guys. It's called what it is. They're, they're, they're key guys. But like you mentioned before, it's a very deep, talented unit. So what kind of is you all's mindset? 
uh, going into to spring ball this year? Uh, that we all just need to work on. I mean, we know we know what it is to lose. We lost two starters. I mean, and but like you said, luckily for us, we're very talented. Um, we have really good depth, and then we also have the fact that Sanders is bringing in more guys. So, but we know with the guys we have now, we know that we're, right now we're a solid unit. There's no if and buts about it. I have no doubt in the D line. I will never have doubt in them. I know the guys I'm playing next. I'm playing next to. I know I've known them for a long time. I live with one of them. I know they do. I know they do little things right. I know, and we know as a unit that as long as we keep getting better and better and better, they're the sky's the limit for us. Um, we have a really good coach. We have a really good attitude, um, and it just kind of puts like uh, when you leave, when you have the two guys, like you have a Rob and a Slater. And you have them on the thing, and they're, they're really good players. They make a lot of plays, and so they get that light. So it gives us that little, like, that extra motive. In, like, we're trying – like, we're – we want to be the guy. Like, we're going to be the guys, you know. And, like – and our and we're really talented across the board. I mean, Zane, uh, Zachary Stilwell, which is – I'm really excited to see how he plays. Um, he's coming up. Cal Cal's doing really well this spring. Uh, but as a unit, Mike, I don't want to leave him out because he's about to be in my house and he'll get mad if I don't leave him out. Um, they're all they're all talented. There's not a guy. And then we just brought in a couple new guys and we're really excited to see how what they're going to do. Um, we're nowhere talent, we know we're talented, but we're still – we're confident enough to know what we can do, but we're humble enough to keep working on it, if that makes sense. Now, now you 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 mentioned you mentioned Coach Sanders a, a lot during the interview. So what I guess what is it like playing for Coach Sanders? Oh man, it's a blast! I love it. Uh, no, he's a. It's, I, mean, I, I lucked out because everyone, all the positions, lost their position coach as far as uh, the rest of the team. Uh, we didn't. We lucked out. Um, it's been good. You know, he got here literally like the same time I did. So. When I got on campus, he got on campus. So we kind of like, as a group in my grade and him, we kind of like learned everything together. Um, I mean, it's good. He's a good coach. Uh, the only thing I disagree with him on is a spin thing. I think it works great, but he don't agree. But it's okay. Um, and if I had to hear one more thing about East Texas, supposedly, as far as him, they have the best football on the planet. I don't know why. But if I had to hear one more thing about that, that's getting kind of annoying. Um, so that's, that's the point. Let's put that out. That and the spin thing. Other than those two things, it's a, it's a great experience. I mean, I'm glad to have a D-line coach I can get along with as far as that aspect goes. Um, and then I, I guess, I guess finally here, what, what, as a D-line, what are you all hoping to accomplish coming out of spring ball this year? Uh, coming out of spring ball, we just want to grow more as like a unit. I'd say like, um, like we have, we always have like as far as D line goes, we have a strong bond. Like they're like we're always together, uh, we're always around each other. So I think more we want to grow as far as like keep growing as far as the bond aspect goes and being like a lead position group of this team. Like we want to establish ourselves like we have in the past. Like in the past, we've always established ourselves as one of the best position groups the team has, and like. Whether or not we are, we know in our heads. That's that's our thought process. We perform at the high level. We want the defense, the offense. We want to know 
Like when we go on the field, there we like I don't have to worry about it because D line's going to perform. There's no there. I don't want people to have doubts in their mind as far as what we can do as a position group. So I think I think every position has to go through that process during spring ball. When you lose guys, you get new guys. You have to reprove yourself as a unit. So there's not like you can't just keep on claiming the same thing when you haven't proved. You gotta reprove yourself as a unit. So I think that we just want to master our craft more and prove ourselves to be a reliable and a very disciplined unit all together. Uh, well, but before I get you out of here, we do this with all the new guests, kind of some more get to know you type questions. So, uh, your favorite sports team could be any any sport. Uh, probably the Green Bay Packers, which I don't know what they're doing right now. Uh, uh, and if any San Fran fans want to smoke, they can, they can come at me. Especially Jordan Levu, if he watches this, just know that San Francisco is not that good. Everyone thinks they are. So that was a daily battle. But, yeah, uh, Green Bay Packers, 100%. Now, okay, now, I because your former teammate Dante McGee was also a Packers fan, I feel mm-hmm. obligated to ask this question now because it seems like at some point Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is a foregone conclusion. So I have to ask, do I you have faith in Jordan Love? All the faith, man. I'm a Packers fan through and through. I'll, I'll, I have faith in Jordan Love. I'm not worried about it. It's kind of a touchy subject. I'm glad you brought it up. Bo A-Rod is going to leave. Because I've never been a fan. Like I've Since I've liked the Packers since I was a little kid, Rodgers has been there. I didn't have any of the Favre years. Like I wasn't a fan. Like I wasn't old enough to be a fan when the Favre was quarterback. I also I know what he did as a Green Bay Packer. But Aaron Rodgers has been my favorite quarterback since growing up till now. And now, he's looking like, now it's looking like he's not going to be on my team, which sucks. But I have faith in Jordan Love. Um, let's see. Okay. Now, as a defensive lineman, do do you do you have a favorite defensive lineman out there that you you just enjoy watching? I go back and forth. I like um I like Donald because he's a shorter guy. Um but I also like uh Vito Ve- Vita Veo. I don't know if I'm saying he's the Buccaneers nose guard. I really like that dude. I really like that dude. Um, I like how they play. I like – I guess I like them because he's so physical. But um, I go back and forth. Those two guys, though. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, your 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 favorite hobby outside of football? Um, Usually, if it was before college football, I'd say hunting. I'm a real big hunter. But during football – like during college football, I don't really have time for it. But – um. Lately, been I've been golfing. I love golf. Really fun time. So I'd say probably golf right now. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, do you do you play video games at all? I do. Uh, I kind of go back and forth, but I play like I go back. I get I got big into Warzone, and then I started playing more campaign games, and now I'm playing. Uh, uh, my lord, I was already playing today. Uh, the F1. I don't know if you know what the Formula One racing. Oh, okay, yeah. I play that game a lot. I can play that online because I watch the series on Netflix and like I, I, I really like the sport. But that, like Rainbow Six Siege, stuff like that. Now, now, are we are we Xbox, PlayStation, or PC? Uh, I guess they traditionally I'm an Xbox player. 
but I have a PS4 also. So I don't have any of the new gens, which just kind of makes me mad. Uh, but maybe we need to tell Doral to pay me more so I can go buy a PS5 or something. Um, so if you can get that message to him, I'd, that'd work out great. Uh, I don't have any new, I have a PS4 and an Xbox One. So I'm kind of both. I play both. Now, I know some might say you can't really play both sides of the fish. Yeah, but I- <laughs> okay, okay. Now I'm on the side. I'm going to say. I'm gonna say PS4 because it's PlayStation. I like PlayStation more. When I get the next gen, it will be the PS5. So I'm saying PlayStation through and through. Okay. Okay. That's so. I, and so now, currently, because Francisco Moreno has graduated, the only Xbox people on the team is Coach Doral, Coach Curley, both Phelps, and Mason Willingham. I, I those are the only Xbox guys. Uh, the rest, the rest are PlayStation. So I just, I always just ask. Them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just ask. it's weird because I went back and forth. Like it's weird. I had a PS4. My first thing was a PS4, and then all my high school friends or all my friends at the time, they all played Xbox. I was like, well, I got to get an Xbox. So I traded my PS4 for an Xbox, and I've had that same Xbox I have now, Xbox One, since I was like a eighth grader. And then just recently, I got a PS4 because one of my buddies got a PS5. He's like, well, I don't need my PS4 no more. I was like, well, let me see it. I just wanted to play God of War. I don't know if you played that before, but I wanted to play God of War, which is only on PlayStation. So. Okay. I got you. Um, now, I use, now, I, now, I usually ask this because it's been brought to my attention that the aux cord in the locker room is not a place for the weak. Now, I've also been told, and I just relaying what I have been told here again. Usually, when I ask who is the best and the worst on the ox, Hunter, I'm not gonna lie to you. Did they say t- they said you, Jace Gardner, and Andrew Carney as is the overwhelming <laughs> that say the worst on the ox. I'm gonna give you the opportunity crazy. here. <laughs> Crazy because no, 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 no. they got a role model, which I'm sure in their head they're just not cultured to country music to what it is, and they need to get educated as far as what good music is. They just don't know, and I'm really not on it that much. Like, when there's obviously, I know, I know what like everyone, like everyone wants to hear rap, or like they don't want to hear country, they don't want to hear country, which I listen to country like 85% of the time, so. Like, I usually won't play Get on Ox because I like rap, I like everything. So I won't be on the Ox if a bunch of people are in there. Usually, like, after workouts on like defense or just at the D-line, I'll get on and I'll play whatever I want to play. But, yeah, no, that that's ridiculous. Now, I'm not the worst. Now, James Gardner, terrible. Jonathan uh, Bowlesley, terrible. Andrew Carney, I don't remember him being on the Ox. I'm sure he's terrible. Who's another one? I'll call him out. Rob Fuentes, terrible. Um, let's see. Let's keep naming them out. Uh, Trail Cozart is like 50 50. Halftime, he's terrible too. But other time, he plays pretty good. So I can just randomly, since they want to call me bad, I'm going to start calling them. They're bad. I was calling. Okay, now I will say when I talked to Jacob Delso, he said it wasn't the fact that it was country. He just felt like the choice of the country was what made it bad. They just want to listen to mainstream country. That's not what the, that's not real country. It's not. 
the Florida Georgia line and all that stuff is not country. That's not. That's not. It's just not. They're, they want to listen to that, and I'm not listening to that when I'm on ours. Not happening. So like, oh, okay. So 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 what are we calling the real 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 country music? Like, Turnpike Troubadours. Look them up. Um, Tyler Childers, Zach Bryan, Coetzel, um, Dylan Wheeler, uh, also Johnny Cash, Hank Williams Jr., Waylon Jennings, Marl Haggard. What's some other? I can keep. I mean, I can probably keep going as far as those are like the main ones that come to the top of my head. Uh, that's real. Luke Combs on the line. He farts with the line a little bit. Morgan Wallen, I like him sometimes. Uh, that's like country, country. You got like different types. You got like the bro country, which is like the Florida George line and all that garbage, which is not good. And then you got like red dirt, which is like turnpike, Coetzel, Tyler Childers, Zach Bryan, um, stuff like. Then you got like honky tonk, which is like the old, like the old, like you'd hear in like an old bar, like which would be like. Hank Williams Jr., the Merle Haggers, the Waylon Jennings, the Johnny Cashes, the people like that, the older. I mean, that's like honky-tonk country. So in my mind, there's like three different countries. But, of course, I mean, I'm not saying I'm right, but in my mind, I am. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned you mentioned Jace was born the worst. Now, I've been told it's it, it sometimes not so much the music he played. It's just the timing of it. I think it might have been yeah. Bryston Williams told me he, he put on some R&B Drake for a morning a morning work. I, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not listening to that, dude. Like, I'm not. Like, I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and listen to stuff that makes you want to go to sleep. That's not. Well, it's just Jordan. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, sorry, it's your snap. Sorry, I didn't mean the interruption. Um, but yeah, I'm not listening to that. Oh, can I ask Jordan what he thinks? What he thinks is the sure. worst? Sure. Jordan, who is the worst Ox player on the team? Dog, quick ground. Who did you say? I said Jace. To Jace. Jonathan Mosley. Mosley's another one. He plays like the bat. He's like, he plays at the wrong time. I'm not trying to be there at 5 a.m. listening to R&B to put him back to sleep. I'm not doing that. Play some like Rob. Givens, yeah, Givens. Bro, Givens. I forgot about him. (laughs) Terrible. Don't listen to him. Those are two good ones, though. Yeah, Jason Rob Givens. I forgot about him. He almost, good thing I asked Jordan. But, yeah, you got to know what we're trying to listen to. And, like, if I get there early in the morning, I want to hear some rock. I want to hear something that gets me going. I'm not trying to listen to love music. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to squat 500 pounds listening to Bill uh, Bill Withers. I'm not trying to <laughs> Great artist. Love his songs. But that's not what I'm rocking with when I'm trying to work out. It's not happening. <laughs> All right, so all right, I'm glad you were able to clear the to, to clear the air. Yeah, because yeah, they had been terrible when they said that. Yeah, yeah I want to get get your chance to clear the air. Now, okay, now you mentioned a lot of different country artists. So, which one would you say is your favorite? Oh, see, that's a that's like a 45 minute conversation. Um, I'll make it short though for you. Um, 
Oh my lord! I'd probably say. Well, I said I, there's red dirt and there's like honky tonk. So I'll say my probably Co Wetzel, probably for red dirt or Zach Bryan, and then for honky tonk is Hate Williams Jr. He's the that's the, that's the king of honky tonk music. But um, probably those two or three. Whatever I said. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. Do you, Nate, now, do you have? You have a favorite food? Um, probably. I mean, probably time, but just steak. I mean, that's probably like my pretty much my favorite food. Probably steak. I eat chicken the most though because it's cheap, cheaper than steak. Now, now, when it comes to steak, are we rare, medium rare, or well done? Uh, rare to medium rare depends on. Um, rare to medium rare depends on like how much. I don't know. Like I go back and forth. Rare to medium rare. If it doesn't, if it at least doesn't have redness in it, then I'm I don't want it. I'll, yes, I'll eat it, but I'm not really wanting it. That makes sense. Uh, let's see. Do you have any pregame routines or rituals that you normally do? Um, no. Uh. Not pre-games. I have stuff I stick to. Like, I don't change my cleats during season. I wear the same pair of cleats every game day throughout the whole entire season. I, I don't care if they're falling apart. I'll tape them up. I've done it since high school. Um, like, you can go back and watch my high school film, and half my game cleats in late season are all taped up because they're falling apart. I don't change I don't change my cleats. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. Like, I listen to music. I don't really talk that much. I don't like – like I just want to be in my own head and my own like mental. Like I'm trying to get my like mental, like what I'm thinking, what I do in certain plays. Like I get my own space. I don't like, like talking. Uh, now, now I know you you mentioned you mentioned Mosley earlier about the the bad music choices in the morning. Now he he claims he in terms of gear is the best on the team when it comes to that. Now. Would that be no? It's not okay. So then, who? So then, who sure, would be the swaggiest? I don't honestly. I have no clue. Steph, Steph is usually pretty swaggy. I'll give it, but I, he's always set right across from me, so I always see him. I really don't know honestly. I would probably say Steph. That's who I see the most. Jordan Levu, if th- that dude, that dude, one hundred percent. He always had like the sleeves, the nice ties, nice socks, nice cleats, matching tape. And Jordan Levy. I, now you made me think about Jordan Levy 100%. But Jonathan Mosley, no. <laughs> Jordan's laughing because he – I, I just – I'll give it to him. He's, I mean, for the most part, yes. But I really don't care. I mean, I've worn a sleeve like two games my whole entire life. That's like I don't, I don't get into the whole swag stuff. But but now but now like but you know because I know I know turf burns are like a real thing so you just you just roll with them like when when they when yeah, they happen, I'm, I'm a man about it I'm not like a real girl like half the team is who just current current complain and cry the half the season because of turf burn. now I've seen some mean ones some of them like my buddy like my roommate Zane he had one on his calf that got like infected and that looked like a mean one he was like it was like swollen and like. He's had like fevers. That was a bad one. But if I have to hear one more DB or receiver complain about a turf burn the size of a quarter on their elbow, then yeah, like no, just go with it. Rob Fuentes complained all the time too. 
all the time in meetings. So yeah, let that be known. <laughs> that big six four, two hundred and like thirty pound dude crying because he got a turf burn the size of a damn bottle cap. I don't know. Sorry, I know like same thing. <laughs> Oh, that's good. that's that's great. Uh, I guess my my final question for you would be what because the the spring game is April twenty eighth, I believe. So, what can UCO fans expect to see um, from you all post spring heading into the off season? Um, like I expect like. I'm sorry, I, you kind of broke it. Like you said, uh, what do you expect to go in? Like, expect for the spring game? Well, like, like just in terms of of like what what can UCO fans expect to see you all um, like the mindset from from uh, having hopefully a good spring and then transitioning that into the offseason? Uh, expect to see great plays made by Hunter Larger, yours truly. So expect that, and then. Um, uh, well, on a serious note, respect. Really, I want them to see like what what like, we really can do, and like as far as the defense wise, we're looking really good. We play really well together. Um, it sucks the players that we did lose. So, like, I think I hope they don't like. I guess we lost like a couple seniors, which we're gonna miss. But I want them to. Ex- I, they need to expect that we have. The younger guys are stepping up. They're falling into the roles. They're being, they're going from the guys who didn't travel or traveled last year but didn't play into the guys who are making the plays. They're getting the playing time. They're doing everything right. So expect to see new faces and expect to see plays made by people you don't know because guys are falling into that role really well. And I'm I'm super excited to see what they do. Um, so expect the new faces and expect to see great defense played and great offense played. Well, Hunter, I appreciate you taking time out of your um, Wednesday evening to come on and talk yep. to me. I know it's the middle of spring, so no yeah. time is precious, so I really do appreciate that, and I'm, I'm wishing you, the D-line, the rest of the team, a really good spring. I, I hope to try to make a few practices, at least make that make that spring game. So I'm wishing mm-hmm. you all the best, and, and any time you want to come back on, you're more than welcome to. Oh, sweet, man. Ask whenever you want me. Whenever you can have me on. Gosh, if I can talk. Yeah, whenever you want to have me on, man, I'm I'm game to come on. I'm glad I finally got on here. It took a long time. I don't, I, as far as, like, you'd hit me up, and then, like, I just forget about it because, you know, I'm so busy, and I'm half dumb sometimes, so my mind just goes weird. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm pleasure to be on here. Thank you so much for having me on. So again, I want to thank Hunter for taking time to come on and talk to me. I, I have to say, this is by far one of my favorite interviews. Uh, just, <laughs> I just, I, I really didn't expect that much personality from a from a nose guard, but I mean, you know, it, 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 with some of these guys, that's why I enjoy talking to them, right? Because they're all business on the field and off the field they're just completely different and that you know Hunter's just an all around funny down to earth guy and when you know between the lines he's all business you know like I mentioned before one of the best nose guards in the conference I've just, uh, honestly the best nose guard UCL's had in my opinion since Carson Smith and again if you were there in 2017 16 uh, you know Carson Smith if it wasn't for the shoulder injuries 
Uh, we, we felt like those were on the program felt like he had a chance at the next level. I still contest Hunters the same way, um, even though he did clear up the fact that he's not 345 as was listed, but still. Um, so I'm really, I'm really excited to see what that defensive line does. Like I said, you know, like, like we did touch on, they did lose Robert Fuentes and Michael Slater, who along with Trayvon Craig, uh, our dear friend Dante McGee, Von Derry, and Marco Domeo competed in the UCL Pro Days, would have been Wednesday. So yesterday, I hope those I hope those gentlemen had a, had a great pro day. Because again, I still contest, especially Dante, Michael, and Rob definitely should get some looks at the next level in one of the various leagues. But I'm really excited to see what that defensive line is looking like again under Coach Sanders. Does fantastic work. Um, just really see who's curious there to to, to step up uh, because you know again Rob and Mike were different cats but again you know any nose guard that's 11th on the team and tackles is also a different cat too so I'm still I still have very high high hopes for that defensive line I'm really curious to see what they're what they're looking like um, so I, like I said before the spring practices run from 27th through April 28th, uh, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think the practices either start at 3 or 3.30 p.m. To my knowledge, they are open to the public. So again, if you are in the Edmond area, want to give it a look, do so. Like I said, I still plan to make, make a couple of practices. Definitely make that spring game because uh, I'm really curious to see what the team is looking like there. So. Uh, we should be back here hopefully soon. Hopefully next week uh, we will have that episode I've been teasing with the wrestler. Uh, it's, it's just been, it's just been scheduling conflicts have have just been brutal the past few few weeks. But I will try to pinpoint a time to get that done. So when that when that does uh, does occur, we will be we will be putting it out. And again, I appreciate your patience here. I know videos have kind of been. Not sparse, but more spread out than normal. But again, a lot been going on. I will update you all soon. Don't worry about it. We'll have a channel update uh, in general here coming coming fairly soon here. So uh, just keep an eye out on that. Again, if you ever need to contact the show, the contact info is below. So until next time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. JG Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.